Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, we would spend long weeks of the summer visiting our cousins, and one of our favorite pastimes was to write and produce very elaborate plays for our family and neighbors, grandparents, and so forth, right? Now, these plays would include all of the, you know, same stock characters, the knights and the dragons and the princesses and so forth. But we often turned these plays into melodramas. You know, in the, in the kind of old-timey sense of melodrama, where somebody would hold up signs instructing the audience how to respond. You know what I'm talking about here, right? So that the audience would know when it was time to boo or hiss or when it was time to cheer, because, of course, nobody would know that the princess being kidnapped was a time to boo or the knight slaying the dragon was a time to cheer. So, you know, we would have these signs. And mostly it was so that my youngest cousin would have something to do, because she often couldn't learn the lines and didn't want to play a part, but she could at least hold a sign. And now you're going to do this with me. You only have three more weeks to, you know, favor me here. So just play along. So she would hold up the sign, and when it said this, you would... That's all right. Don't worry. There's going to be lots of opportunities. And when she would hold up a sign like this. Exactly. Right. So I thought about that this week as I read again this story of John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and Jesus coming to be baptized. Because it's an old familiar story with lots of characters involved. And my guess is that we assume we know how to respond to this story. That we assume we know who's the good guys and who are the bad guys and what's good news and what's bad news. That we don't need any prompts to cheer or to boo. But if we scratch the surface a bit in this story, it appears that maybe the things that sound like bad news might actually be good. Things that sound like good news might actually be bad. So you're going to play along with me this morning as we tell this story and discover when to boo and when to cheer. And so in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, when John the Baptist shows up, does he get a... Or does he get a... What do you think? Wow, you guys are way more divided than the first service. I mean, John's a good guy, right? You know, we think of John, he's, he's sainted, right? He usually shows up with a halo on. He's depicted in all kinds of famous religious iconography. Is John good news or bad news? Yeah, well, I mean, it looks kind of crazy, but so do a lot of you. So John shows up, and it seems like this might be good news. But the first words out of his mouth are, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
So here's your next test. Kingdom of Heaven. Or... Yeah, I mean, it's heaven, right? You know, heaven is that, that beautiful fairyland of unicorns and teddy bears where we all get reunited with our dead puppies and dead grandparents, right? It's a beautiful place, right? The kingdom of heaven is awesome, right? Yay. But... When John preaches about the kingdom of heaven, he speaks of judgment. You brood of vipers are the next words out of his mouth. Who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? The wrath of the day of God's coming. For indeed, he comes with a winnowing fork, a pitchfork in his hand. Who usually has a pitchfork in religious iconography? Ain't Jesus, right? (laughs) To clear the threshing floor, to thresh out the grain from the chaff, and the chaff will burn in unquenchable fire. That is the kingdom of heaven come near. Yay? That's the kingdom of heaven? Judgment? You know, you guys all walked in today past a sign that says, no judgment allowed. The word judgment has a certain flavor around these parts. It always gets a big boo. But this is what it means for the kingdom of heaven to come near? Is judgment? How is that possibly good news? That when the kingdom of heaven comes near, there is threshing, there is separating, there is sifting, and there is Burning. Burning and pitchforks just don't sound like good news in most of our lives. But wait. Don't worry. Because we are children of Abraham. Right? What do you think? Children of Abraham? Or... What do you think? Yeah, right? Children of Abraham, children of promise, people who are heirs of God's great gift to our ancestors, of a promise to choose and love us forever. But what does John say? Not so much. Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For indeed, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. 
You think they're the brood of vipers and you're the children of Abraham? Good luck with that. You think you escape judgment because of where you come from or who you belong to or what privilege you carry? Good luck with that. So this beautiful story of Jesus being baptized by John in the wilderness, I don't know about you, but at this point it kind of sounds mostly like Here's the good news. This whole story hangs on one little word. And that little word is repent. Now, I know, repent for most of us probably sounds more like boo. Right, repent is that word that we hear when we begin worship with confession. Right, repent is that word that reminds us that, that much of what we have done and left undone, many of our relationships, many of our actions in the world are broken and have broken ourselves and others. And we, we gather under the shadow of our sin and are reminded that God calls us to change. In my years of ministry, I have talked to countless people who have objected to beginning worship with confession. Maybe later, right? Maybe somewhere in the worship service it's okay, but, but it seems like a real downer to start worship by being reminded of our sin. I mean, what kind of a growth strategy is that when visitors walk in the door and you remind them immediately how terrible they are? Boo. Right? But here's the thing. The word repent in Greek literally just means to, to turn your head, to change your mind, to, to turn in a different direction. And so what we learn from John's preaching from John's proclamation in the wilderness is that indeed change is possible. Now, I know that for the most part when Lutherans hear the word change, they say, (laughs) but come on, folks. Isn't it good news? To know that where you have come from, what you have done and left undone, the scars on your skin, the broken path by which you have journeyed, does not have to predict where you're going next. Repentance means that past may be prologue, but it is never determinative. That the past never locks us in to a, pre- a predetermined future. That in God, 
in the promise of God slipping into our sinful skin, we are reminded and we are shown in flesh and blood that the future is open. That indeed, God can take stone-cold hearts. Stone-cold hearts that have turned their backs on welcoming the stranger. Stone-cold hearts that have failed to extend compassion to those in need. Stone-cold hearts that have failed to be as loving as God has called us to be. God can, from these stones, raise up children of Abraham. Raise up children of promise, children of grace, children of hope and life. That the future is always open and never determined by our broken past. That your future does not depend on the trail of broken relationships you have left behind. Your future doesn't depend on your past drinking career. Your future doesn't depend on all the ways in which you have failed to love your children, your siblings, your parents, your spouse, your failed businesses, or any of the other crap you carry with you. Past is prologue, but it is not determinative. For in Christ, the future is opened. And it all begins in the water. In those precious waters, where the God of heaven and earth slipped into human skin, scarred and broken that it may be, and stepped down into the muddy, murky, ugly waters of the Jordan, Now, when Jesus first appeared to be baptized, what did John say? What the heck are you doing? You know this water is dirty. You know this water is for dirty people. You know this water is for broken folk. And you're God bringing the kingdom of heaven here. What are you doing? Swimming in this stuff with us. But Jesus says, John, it is necessary that we do this. It has to happen this way in order to fulfill all righteousness, which is to say this is the only way that your relationship with God, with self, with neighbor, with world can ever be rightly ordered again is that I join you fully in this mess. And from there, we turn. We change. We reorder, redirect. We move forward into God's promised future. Indeed, The kingdom of heaven has come near. And yes, it brings judgment. 
And judgment is good news. Because judgment says no to all that stuff. Judgment says you don't have to be defined by any of that stuff anymore. Judgment sheds light on the truth of our lives and says, let it be and let it go. For God is turning you and the world around. For repentance is real and possible. And in the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the baptism of Elise and in the baptism of every single child of Abraham, God is opening up the future for us and for all. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.